This is a Power 98.7 podcast. Now we're talking. Subscribe to Power 98.7 podcasts in iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. There's more on power987.co.za. Let us take a look at a conversation that has really been uh, focused upon by some who took interest in the matter, the draft informal traders policy. The city of Johannesburg uh, Council last month approved the informal traders policy for public consultation and members of the public were invited to submit written comments on the draft informal trading policy in terms of section 7, uh, subsection 5 of the Rationalization of Local Government Affairs Act 1998, section 12 of the Local Government Municipal Systems Act number 32 of 2000. Now, the Free Market Foundation has made some very substantive, um, uh, you know, uh, very substantive submissions uh, to the city of Johannesburg. We might not be able to get through all of them, but we definitely want to sort of get the gist of their submissions. Uh, The informal economy, you know, is always a space that is targeted in various ways by uh, lawmakers as they consider bylaws and all of this and some of those can be quite stifling uh, to the informality that actually allows the informal economy to thrive but uh, let me welcome my guest co-founder and president free market foundation uh, leon Lowe. good morning and welcome to power talk Good morning to you and the listeners. It's my honor and pleasure to be with you. No, thank you so much for making time for us. Perhaps, uh, Leon, give us a broad overview of your submissions to the city of Joburg and why, as the Free Market Foundation, you've taken such great interest in this particular policy uh, on informal traders. Well, let me deal with the second part first. The second part first. Yeah. We have had an interest in small business, informal business, uh, SMMEs, and organizations that represent them like Atchib and Nafcock and the Gauteng Walkers Association and so on for 50 years. This has always been our interest and our beat. And we, for example, brought the constitutional court case against the Johannesburg City Council a few years ago Mm. when they decided to drive all informal traders off the streets. And uh, they're not just uh, informal street traders, it's people running informal businesses from their apartment or their backyard or or wherever, Um, on farms, you know, small Mm. farmers, now through the National African Federated Chamber of Commerce, for example, represent small and informal farmers as well as formal ones. Mm. So this has been our interest. We know a lot about it. We've, We've confronted the laws and the officials very often. And we have made recommendations. In fact, we drafted the basic draft municipal bylaw Mm. that was essentially adopted by all South African local governments. Uh, We've since changed our mind on that, and we think we made some mistakes. Uh, That was probably 20 years ago. And that's the benefit of hindsight and research anyway, Leon. Absolutely, yes, and experience. And we now realize... If you, if you say to somebody, what is their problem with street traders? And let's talk about street traders, yeah. forget about the others for now. Uh, they will tell you, oh, you know, they're illegal immigrants or they sell drugs or they they litter or they obstruct sidewalks or something. But never, ever will you be told that our problem with them is that they trade. Okay. <laughs> so you never told, you never sell the, the reason we have to regulate them and stop them is because they trade. They are trading, yeah. You know, it's always something else. So the question is, what is the something else? And the something else is always something that is already regulated by other laws. Mm. 
uh, most of which have nothing to do with local governments, for example, illegal immigration, drugs, and so on. Uh, so what we say is that there actually clearly doesn't need to be a special law governing people who trade, because that's irrelevant. Nobody ever can. That's not the problem. We need to have a law governing people who are harass motorists at intersections or cause a yeah. traffic hazard or block sidewalks. Now, that shouldn't be relevant only to traders. You and me, anyone who blocks a sidewalk shouldn't be allowed to do that. And those are and those are questions of law enforcement, Leon, as you are suggesting, on things that al- already exist. It seems, though, the municipalities never get the message because I also know uh, down at Teguini there have been a lot of moments where people uh, litigate on behalf of street traders and they win courts, you know, court cases in the high court, uh, whether it's, you know, how the metro munis- uh, municipal police just come and confiscate things from people people and then they are unable to account for them and return them to people when they are requested to do so but it doesn't seem as if the municipalities are coming on board with a very you know constructive uh, set of policies to this uh, question on how to deal with street traders you've raised a very very critical issue that once you have these laws that govern street traders doesn't matter who drafts the law it creates opportunities for abuse, for corruption, for thefts, plain straight theft. Mm. Uh, the police confiscate goods on a Friday. They can come back on a Monday and they can pay 2,500 rand, some ridiculously high number for a, for a little old lady selling boiled millies from under a tree. And uh, then they get with rotten tomatoes and rotten uh, avos and so on and so mm. forth. So, yes, this is absolutely right. Is you want to say to the police something very simple. And the Joburg City Council, I think, is there. If you read its document, it's got all the right sentiments, which are actually quite revolutionary and quite radical. It wants to support and help informal businesses as great job creators. Now, what they need to do is tell all the Metro Police in a training session you are the friends, not the enemies Absolutely. of traders. We, your job is to protect them. Your job is to advise them, guide them, tell them don't sit here, rather sit there, or mm. don't do that. To, don't wash a motorist's windscreen unless they've agreed, etc. So change the whole culture and psychology of police from seeing street traders as the enemy to seeing street traders as the heroes of society who are dealing with unemployment and serving the poorest of the poor consumers. We should, we should celebrate them and one day and be through. And they, like anyone else, a building company shouldn't obstruct a, a pavement by putting bricks and rubble there. Mm-hmm. And, you know, an, uh, an ATM shouldn't cause a problem by, a bank shouldn't cause a problem by putting an ATM in the wrong place and so on. So however big or small you are, you should be governed by the same law. And in fact, that's a requirement of the Constitution. And, the as law a, and I suppose, Leon, the question becomes, how do you do that mindset shift? I mean, what you are talking about uh, with the police, I once saw a nice uh, leaflet that is being used in New York City, for example, for their police to say, no, no, no yours is not to uh, harass the street trader. If you feel that they are not at the requisite distance from the buildings or whatever, you help them to comply rather than harassing them out of of trading. So who should be taking the lead here, Leon, in developing this new uh, you know, mindset shift in how police interact with street traders in the city of Johannesburg, for example? 
Yeah, and you know, I mean, you just have such a fantastic grasp of this. You should have done the program, didn't need me. <laughs> but, but, but my my compliments to you. Thank you uh, yes, this is the case all over the world. Uh, wherever you go in the world, whether it's Indonesia or whether it's China or whether it's Japan or America, the world's richest countries, there are informal traders everywhere, in in and and they are considered desirable mm. and they are considered to produce wealth and so in southern in johannesburg the mindset change will have to come from the people now producing the policy in that policy it should include literally training or i don't know quite attitudinal training for the police that they must understand there's a new approach it is no longer the old approach and they must guide and advise and be supportive and protect if if some you know if somebody runs by and snatches something from a street trader, the police must catch them. Mm. And uh, so so you're absolutely right. The way it's done in New York and Chicago, in London, in in Hamburg, in Germany, and for that matter in in, in Nairobi, in Kenya, and uh, in Mauritius and uh, Rwanda, all the countries to which I've been. Uh, this idea that informal business is a bad thing and should be regulated is a a relic of apartheid. We got it from apartheid. Seeing it as dirty and all of that. Black people. Yeah, it was was a group area law to stop black people running businesses, which they weren't allowed to run because they couldn't lawfully rent a business. And so they went to markets. And, you know, every city has a market street like Mm. Johannesburg. But where's the market? It's gone. And uh, and the markets used to be where black people traded. Absolutely. And the sidewalks were... So this this idea that street and informal business is bad comes directly from the dark days of apartheid. We need to get rid of it completely, completely reverse the attitude. These are good people. They are solving unemployment. They are serving the poorest of the poor they should be welcomed and assisted and supported that you asked who must it come from it must come obviously from the chief of police Mm. at the metro police but that in turn has to come from the council itself it has to be the council must say this is our new philosophy our new attitude and the police have to change their mindset they're not regulating these people. They're guiding and advising and helping and protecting them. Absolutely. My guest is co-founder and president at the Free Market Foundation, Leon Lowe. We are looking at you know uh, informal uh, traders, but specifically street traders. What should be done uh, to enable them to trade better rather than them being you know demonized out of uh, the space? The line is 0861-987-000, and it's open to you. Uh, 14 minutes to 12 o'clock this morning. Leon, I suppose uh, there are at times considerations for, uh, say, people who handle food, perhaps uh, health and safety issues. I'm not sure if you remember at some point, uh, former mayor uh, Hemet Mashaba was uh, was not happy uh, with some of the people around Brie Rank, for example, uh, who in their trolleys might have, you know, scop uh, of a cow uh, where there is a cow cow head that people, you know, uh, work on and uh, cook and get to sell uh, how 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 do we help rather than again demonize especially when it comes to questions around you know health and safety especially uh, with food handling 
Yes, that's that's very interesting. We've done quite a lot of research on that, and we've sort of simply went to hospitals and we are found out <laughs> where people got food poisoning. Yeah. <laughs> and guess what? Not one case was from an informal trader. They Probably in restaurants. <laughs> yeah, they're all from restaurants and hotels. They're all from first world places now. That raises a very interesting question. Yeah. Why is that? And the answer is very simple. That restaurants and hotels are required by law to have refrigeration, mm. which means the food lasts longer and the, and, the, and the refrigeration doesn't do any damage to the contamination, to the bacteria. So the food just gets more and more contaminated and rotten because they have all the first world sophistication. Mm. The informal traders, on the other hand, as anyone who's familiar with them know, they have a very short shelf life. They yeah. buy stuff that's sold usually on the same day. Absolutely. At most, it will be the second day. And the whole thing with Thurman Mashaba is a personal good friend of mine. I know. Uh, he was once I, there at the foundation. <laughs> yeah, on that issue, I disagreed with him. Yeah. Because the problem was what it was a cow's head. But would he have felt the same way if it was a beef fillet? <laughs> or, you know, a, a chicken? Uh, so the issue wasn't health and safety. Yeah. The issue was the sort of first world discomfort. Aesthetic, it, it, probably the, 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 the aesthetic of it. Leon, let me just go to that line. There are some people who have yeah. uh, something to share with us this morning. Koketso, good morning. Uh, I'm sharp. Uh, I'm sharp. Yes, Dad. Safety and health about the cow's head. Mm. It will be difficult for him starting the research as a official, I guess. Yes, Koketsu, go ahead. Yeah, make, make the point that you want to put across, bro. Point take a long for Manukore. You are serious to that part of the level of the Narta Tadichi, the literal Namastrating, and then the Pisterly Fund. Elum Hurricane after the Lelekala Patne, Lea Huriliva. For shutdown, lockdown, catch and then immediate effect. So I did not have say something Three billion on the budget was enough to share for everyone to eat for a whole year. Mm, okay, okay, so I think I get the point that you are making. Uh, let me go to Mike. Mike, good morning. Hi, I just wonder if can I just walk into China or, or America right away and start selling meat in the street? And when when authorities act on me for being there illegally and also for you know risking people's health, why, why do we want to condone uh, some kind of dirtiness in in South Africa? The towns are, are dirty and smelly, everything is dirty. And when the, the government or the, the municipality want to regulate that, we saw the police being chased by foreigners in Johannesburg and nothing happened. About what kind of a country is this? So this gentleman mustn't say to us, accept because blacks, accept dirtiness, and then say, okay, enjoy that head cow or roam in the street of Johannesburg and, and, and don't say anything, it's, it's free market.
Okay, okay. okay. Mike, I get you. I'm not sure if it's uh, promoting dirtiness, though. There's so much street trading if you take a tour and you go to pe- places like Thailand and so on. Photographer, uh, good morning. <laughs> How are you? I'm well. Yes, I would like to comment at the topic of Yes. Okay, what I would like to say, uh, with my experience being a photographer, I'm a photographer, uh, photographing in the township. Mm. But I've realized that these people are not the enemy. The yes. hawkers, the vendors, the vendors, they are not the enemy. What is the enemy is the rules and regulations that they put. Mm. The ones that they put by people in parliament. Mm. And they were put by people who don't have experience, who have never been a street vendor. You yes. understand? Should they have taken a person who's been a, uh, has been a, a street vendor and been put in parliament like Nick Baharaj without a portfolio, Minister without a portfolio, yeah. then they would have made, they would have commented on those laws that this, this law that you're putting in place will be, uh, will be criminalizing the street vendors yeah. and they won't be able to make a living. Absolutely. Okay. So, uh, yeah. I get you loud and clear. Mlungisi, good morning. Morning, Lukona. How are you? Yes, I'm good, I'm good. I wanted to check uh, the professor's views on the issue of reserving the spaza business uh, for locals, like okay. what Nigerians are doing, what uh, uh, other African countries are, have done, and, and they've used the informal sector to deal with issues of poverty yeah. and, and unemployment. Uh, okay. What What is the on that? All right. Uh, thank you, Mlungis. Tulane, good morning. Morning, morning. How are you? How are you, going? Well, how are you? Yeah, good, good. I think if Mr. Lowe, the Free Market and the Foundation can do a lot to promote informal businesses and hookers. Look, on, look at towns like Faranakang. There's no the rank there where people used to work. Mm. There was a, a shelter at the time. But currently, the rank has been abandoned, no shelter, nothing. So I think the government, if it was thinking ahead, it was going to collect a lot of money from these guys because they're building stores on all these taxi ranks and these guys selling there. Mm. And every day, you tell them every weekly or monthly. You pay such amount of money to the council. But what is the what did the metro or the traffic police they go there, they they confiscate that those goods, they go and sell them and he take that money for themselves. I think if the free market federation can go all over the country, make sure all the council they look after these guys. Look mm. in the trains the corner there were guys who used to to be workers there. Trains are no longer moving around for anything Johannesburg, all springs, they are no longer moving. So those guys now are the guys who are will be forced to go and stand on those shoes for the 350. I think if this government can can work with the free market foundation to make sure all the workers are looked after the corner. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, Tulani. Cecil, let me take you lastly before I go back to Leon. Good morning. Lekona. How's it? I'm good, man. Thank you. Look, I wanted to quickly comment there. I think firstly uh, the issue of Mashaba in just some seconds. Mashaba was more fighting against people who actually were operating there as illegal as, as illegal traders, those who did not have permits and they were more foreign nationals. Yeah. I think I think what the gentleman should do, I don't know if he has got platforms who can go to the municipalities and, and advise the, those who are sitting in the offices or sit in council if he can be invited to mm. advise the, the council because those people, the only solution for them is for them to be granted permits officially so, so that they can be able to sell. I feel for them because we need those people. They are trying to help yeah. uh, to survive and, and, and stuff like that. So if we can do that, I think if you can appear in council, 
it would help a lot because okay. I'm sure municipalities are in the dark. Yeah. Cecil, thank you so much. Leon, I mean, very interrelated uh, sentiments there uh, from our listeners. And, uh, you know, Coquetso started off talking about the relief fund and there not being much uh, being done for informal traders. Of course, organizations such as CITA have also been trying to highlight these limitations and how government has been responding. But, I mean, how do you respond, Leon, to this idea of permitting? What is the best way to permit uh, to permit and, and, and permit in terms of now giving uh, uh, a permit to a person to be there to trade or should we uh, probably reimagine the whole uh, system and how, you know, these municipal councils also want to generate revenue from the street traders? Yes, thanks for that and really wonderful comments from the listeners for which I'm most appreciative and challenging. Uh, we do cover that and we do recommend that if the council wants to collect revenue, and that's legitimate because people are using council property and they should pay what is mm. the equivalent of rent. It should be small. You know, a, a person sitting selling sweets under a tree or whatever is a very, very small amount. So what we recommend is a registration fee, not a permit, not an application, mm. nothing that can be turned down. But you simply walk into a police station or a post office or a government office and say, here is my amount, whatever that amount is, 100 rand, 200 rand, um, give me the permit. And then you've got the permit. And then what the police can do, because we must understand many of these people are illiterate, they're unsophisticated, they'll never know that's what they need. So the police go around with permits in their pockets or in their sacks. And when somebody doesn't have a permit, they say, he has a permit, you you pay so much for it, you see, and it'll have a number so there can't be bribery and corruption and so on. So the police can be also people who dish out the permits. Yeah. And that's a method of the city council collecting revenue, which enables them to do street cleaning and enables them. The most important thing they have to do is build facilities, toilet facilities, for example, uh, because a lot of these street traders are far from a public toilet. So more access to public toilets for which the council needs revenue. And there's nothing wrong with it collecting revenue, but it mustn't see revenue as a means of regulating and controlling. There's no need for that. And the the man who raised the issue about health, a very important Mm. concern, but let's just make the observation that countries where street trading is extremely common, Japan, for example, uh, is one of the cleanest countries on earth. Mm. So we're saying that it doesn't matter whether you're a trader or a civilian throwing rubbish in the road. And that people throw rubbish in the road, whether they bought it at a supermarket or from a street trader. Uh, nobody should be able to make litter. Nobody should be able to have uh, something unhealthy. It's, it's not a law governing traders. It's a law governing every civilian. Absolutely. Uh, Leon Lowe, thank you so much. I think there's so much appetite for this conversation. We might need to uh, do another interesting one just where we you know, reflect ideas on how to make this uh, street trading viable and draw from the multiple examples across uh, the world that are available in countries that are doing fantastic work. But thank you so much for your time this morning. You've been listening to a Power 98.7 podcast. For more podcasts, visit power987.co.za or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.